1: for the 2022 Miami Dolphins season.
0: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Wednesday, January 18th. 2023. Today on the show, we're exploring the personnel hits and misses of the Dolphins roster construction Uh, based on my subjective beliefs of the players. And of course, there's a varying degree of opinions that exist out there for general manager Chris Greer and the job that he has done with the Miami Dolphins. Consider this our first foray into how I feel. Chris Greer has done as the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 extra money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. I would like to start with this, and maybe some of you are just going to hang up and and not listen for the rest of the day, and that's fine. I think that the process in which the Dolphins have undergone much of their roster rebuild, not all of their roster rebuild, and that's kind of the inspiration for today's show, but much of their roster rebuild uh, has been good. Um, I think this is definitively the most talented Dolphins team we have seen in quite some time from a roster construction standpoint, and the goal and the objective is to look at the hits and the misses uh, that the Dolphins swung the bat on this season. There's a fair share of both, uh, but that is ultimately the case with just about every front office executive and team across the entire NFL. Nobody bats a 1,000, right? And it's all about stacking your wins in a way that positions you to um, consistently get better. And I think the Dolphins are still in a stage. I think that's an important note, right? There's some teams, I use the the San Francisco 49ers and and the Tennessee Titans as two good examples of teams that have been competitive for the last several seasons. But when the San Francisco 49ers maneuvered to go out and get Trey Lance and they traded all their first round picks, you said, oh, well, their draft capital is, is tapped out. Well, they still managed to find a way to trade for Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline, and he has been a critical improvement For that that piece of the team. You look at the interior offensive line in San Francisco, and Lakin Tomlinson left in free agency and Alex Mack retired and said, Oh, well, the interior offensive line for San Francisco is going to be a problem. Well, they had one player waiting in the wings in Daniel Bronze Hill. They drafted Spencer Buford in the fourth round from UTSA, and he's been a successful player. They've got younger, cheaper, and fresher from a talent perspective. And Laken Tomlinson's been a disaster for the Jets in free agency. And that was a player that was like a $15 million a year player. So the, that's the San Francisco 49ers. They still have managed to find ways to stack wins with their roster and improve versus the Tennessee Titans, who are a team that routinely drafts for need. And I think you look at the big misses for the Dolphins under the Chris Greer regime specifically uh, uh, the the big question mark picks of that 2020 draft. And I think they drafted for need in those spots, in in many of those spots. Austin Jackson at 18 overall, there there was no world that we lived in in which Austin Jackson was the 18th best player of the 2020 draft. There's no world in which we lived in where Noah Ibn Agadi was a top 30 pick in that class from the caliber of their resumes on the field as college prospects but they drafted for need. And the question is, why did they draft for need? What was the influences that caused them to draft for need? And I, I don't have that definitive answer. I certainly know. And, and Jeff Darlington was just on Zach Krantz, Krantz's corner um, on WQAM uh, earlier this week and talked about Chris Greer and why Chris Greer is here and and the strengths of Chris Greer as a talent evaluator and a personnel person. And he, he said the thing that Chris Greer does the best is he goes out and he shops for his head coach, the specifics of what that head coach wants. Chris Greer evaluates talent through the lens of whoever is the head coach of the team and, and expresses their desires and needs. And that is the lens in which Chris Greer does his job. And that is a good quality to have. That is, is you know, as compared to you hear stories about uh, the Green Bay Packers when they drafted Jordan Love with a first round pick and they traded up. And he traded a fourth round pick to go get him. We've heard some stories that like the scouts in the building had no idea that was on the table. And the general manager, because of relationships within the building, tried to facilitate that on their own and make something happen. How many times do you see players get drafted in the top 10, as an example, and the coaching staff doesn't have a clear vision for the player, Isaiah Simmons, with the Arizona Cardinals. It's took Isaiah Simmons three years just to find his footing, even though he's an outstanding talent, because the Cardinals didn't have a plan for somebody who was more of a positionless type player. So all of those bits of context, and I didn't even finish my thought with the Titans, but the Titans are a team that routinely drafts for me. So they let A.J. Brown go on draft week, and they trade him, and they replace him with Trelon Burks, a rookie. How did that go? Not well for the Titans. They're going to go on the offensive line this year, and they're probably going to draft offensive linemen, and they may not because they've made a change at general manager, but that was the MO of John Robinson, the general manager of the Titans. He always drafted for me. He always drafted for me. And where that puts the Titans is, okay, we are going to be perpetually trying to replace established veteran players with cheaper players with more unknown variables. And the Dolphins, with the position that they are in, more like the San Francisco 49ers, are not going to be in those shoes this year. Now, they do have three top 100 picks, and that's great. And I realize today's show is more about evaluating what the team did this past year. But I do think that is important context for understanding the Dolphins' stacked wins and improvements across their roster this offseason and they are in position to do so again, albeit in probably a, a different way because of how they went about stacking wins this off season. So we'll look at free agency, we'll look at trades., uh, we'll look at players that left that the dolphins could have brought back. We'll look at players that the dolphins paid. And that's kind of the rest of today's show. We're going to look at both sides of the ball. We'll look at special teams, of course. But before we get any further in today's show, want to make sure I strongly encourage you guys to go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. You can meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of doing taxes and file for you so that you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. With TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so that you can relax. It feels good. To be done your taxes, doesn't it? Uh, come visit TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more about Intuit TurboTax full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com backslash guarantees. One of our other partners that that I am just absolutely over the moon with here on Locked On Dolphins is Ultimate Pro Football GM. Uh, if you've ever dreamed of being an NFL general manager and managing your own football franchise, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, and navigating your franchise through the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline, so you can play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on Dolphins listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code locked on, all caps, in the game store that's locked on. So make sure to check it out today. Just download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com, or look it up in the app stores that is ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. You. Cannot talk about wins and losses for the Dolphins from a personnel perspective without starting with Tyreek Hill. You cannot do it. (laughs) The acquisition of a player who shattered every single season receiving record other than touchdowns uh, in a franchise that had the Dan Marino mid-80s seasons with Duper and Clayton. Phenomenal season for Tyreek Hill. He was everything he was advertised to be. And I would argue probably more. He's a good leader. Um, he played throughout a lot of ups and downs, played through a lot of adversity, produced through a lot of adversity, created explosive plays. And leads by example with his work ethic and uh, is motivated. And, and hopefully this off season, you know, Tyreek Hill is is motivated by tasting it and coming close. Um I'm certainly bummed to to, to go back over the game film of the playoff game and see Tyreek Hill had opportunities uh, in several instances in the second half of that football game for the Dolphins to to get back on top of the Bills and potentially win a football game, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. So, um, but Tyreek Hill, regardless of the cost, was going to be worth it. There was no rookie pick in this class, or no no first and second round pick in this past draft class that you could look at as the definitive caliber of player. Now, of course, the the other side of that coin is the financial implications uh, for the Dolphins with giving Tyreek Hill a $30 million a year contract. Now, it's worth remembering, as we've discussed on the show the last couple of weeks, he's a restructure candidate. Uh, he's earned the right to have the expectation he will be here through the life of that contract. So I would not flinch at the prospect of restructuring Tyreek Hill's contract to the max degree and getting yourself approximately $18-19 million in cap space, um, whatever that max number is. And the way that they structured his contract allows that to happen. That's a job well done, and that goes back to what Chris Kirk said yesterday uh, or what we talked about. He said yesterday when he met with everybody on Monday when he kind of laughed and said what the cap situation is right now is not what it's going to be. That's a home run hit. I think Teron Armstead, five years, $75 million. That's an annual average salary of $15 million per season. That, to me, uh, is another home run addition relative to what he was from a leader in the locker room, the play that he had on the field, the, the warrior mentality that he that he illustrated for the Dolphins. And here's here's, I think, probably the best way to break it down. You can look at the offensive tackle market, and I'm sorting this right now. Toronto's five year, $15 million per season annual average salary puts him outside the top 15 in NFL offensive tackles. We have Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, Laramie Tunso, Ronnie Stanley, Ryan Ramchek, Brian O'Neill, Jake Matthews, Lane Johnson. Colton Miller, Cam Robinson, that's 10, Taylor Moton, Braden Smith, D.J. Humphreys, Garrett Bowles, Orlando Brown Jr., Taylor Lawan, Jordan Maitala, Donovan Smith, Toronto Armstead's $15 million is tied for 19th in the NFL amongst offensive tackles. You could talk all you want about missing a handful of games. He played through what he played through all season long. He was a leader. He helped a lot of young players on an offensive line improve and grow his talent. And he, they got him for the 19th top salary amongst NFL offensive tackles. It's worth it. Not only is it worth it, it's a home run addition. Those are two Pro Bowl players on the offensive side of the ball. If you want to critique it, I don't know where you'd start other than I would challenge you to look at the other options that were available in the market. I think the Connor Williams addition is a win for the Dolphins as well when you consider, you know, this this was kind of a big roll of the dice for are we going to play him at center? Is that the plan and he signed for 2 years, 14 million dollars and this is still still a young player, he's like 25 years old. And um Connor with the exception of the the miscommunication against the Jets And I think probably two or three other snaps. I know we made a big fuss in preseason and in training camp about the snap location. And yeah, I mean, there's a handful of snaps, but I promise you every center across the NFL is a handful of snaps. Connor Williams has far exceeded my expectations. When you found out they were signing him to play center credit to Mike McDaniel and credit to the dolphins, you know, from a center perspective, I think they got good value. Now they're, off-season additions that that you probably regret. Cedric Wilson is near the top of this list. Three years, $22 million. Of course, they signed him before the Tyreek Hill stuff manifested. So it, it's difficult to give too much grief here. But whether or not this gets chalked up ultimately as a win or a loss is going to be dictated on if they can get out of this contract this offseason. If they can negotiate this one, it will go down as a marginal loss for me in the same way that Chase Edmonds was a marginal loss because the Dolphins found a way to get out of that contract and transition to Jeff Wilson. If the Dolphins were stuck with Chase Edmonds on the two-year $12 million deal with the way that he played in the first half of the season and they had to lock him in, Uh, you you would certainly have a great deal of remorse for that contract versus the performance that you got. Uh, I do think those are two... If you could go back with the benefit of hindsight, they're mulligans you would want. Um, But I understand in the moment why they were moves that were made. I don't feel the same way about the Mike Gusecki saga, I think is probably the best way to put it. Um, And I know we've talked about this before, but the franchise tag and holding out for a certain trade valuation for a player who, look, if you're going to run 250 targets a year through Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and it might have been more than that. I don't have that number up right in front of me right now. Uh, but if you're going to run that kind of volume through two guys, well, having depth and contingencies for those players is one thing. You also have the backs out of the backfield that are capable of catching the ball. Uh, th- this that That's a large sum of money that would have been highly beneficial to go somewhere else. Or if not to go somewhere else, to have his rollover cap. And you could have gotten additional compensation. Uh, We couldn't have possibly comprehended the Dolphins were going to get stripped of first-round pick. It is what it is. Can't really control it. Uh, And and that's part of the bummer where we'll hear about how the draft capital is tapped out. Uh, And, yes, Chris Greer chose to trade the second first-round pick, the 49ers' first-round pick, courtesy of uh, the San Francisco 49ers in the the Bradley Chubb deal. But... um, he was not responsible for the infractions that cost the team a first-round pick, and that was part of the legwork that he had worked to build. So his lane had kind of, I don't want to say got chosen for him, but the the margin for error was whittled away in large, not in large part, but in portion because of infractions that were not his responsibility, which kind of sucks. Uh, Alec Ingold, two years, $6.5 million, home run signing for the Dolphins uh, as well. I was bummed that the team did not bring back um, Matt Collins, and Mac had an excellent year with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, but I will tip the cap to uh, Trent Sherfield b- being the player that was brought in to replace him. He was cheaper than Matt Collins, and I thought gave you a lot of the same elements. Uh, I would also tip the cap to Thomas Morstead and Raheem Mostert. Uh, those two guys were brought in on one-year deals worth a combined $3.5 million and were excellent football players for the Dolphins this year. It, it, that should serve as inspiration for you when you think, if we talk about, oh, well, the Dolphins are a little cap-limited. They, they are, but they're not, right? But at the same time, if you if I told you you can have a Thomas Morstead and a Raheem Mostert, and it would cost you $3.5 million against the cap, you could certainly do a lot with that when you consider the Dolphins can very easily get themselves up over $50, $55 million in cap space. And then you have maneuvers like the Christian Wilkins extension. And, and of course, like Teron Armstead signed five years, $75 million. And his cap hit this year was $4 million. It's all on the table. Um, The Teddy Bridgewater deal is one that that I give bad marks as well. Uh, And it has a little bit less to do with uh, Teddy's availability, which also was a bummer. But this is the second consecutive year uh, that we have definitively gone out and gotten a backup quarterback whose strengths are in conflict with the strengths of your starting quarterback and how you want to run your offense and what you want your offense to run like. So hopefully we're at the point now where Tua Tagovailoa is far enough in, assuming the Dolphins follow through on what they said, where they, they are definitively planning on Tua Tagovailoa to be his team's starting quarterback. Uh, that we don't feel compelled to have a quote-unquote uh, established veteran in the room. Tua will be going into his fourth year. Can we get a talented young player who's cheaper, potentially? You go out and get a Gardner Minshew in free Do you draft a player like a Jaron Hall from BYU in the middle rounds of this year's draft? I think those are kind of, if two is going to be the guy, those are appropriate kinds of maneuvers. You need a more talented backup quarterback, but you need the backup quarterback to not be a player like Teddy who doesn't have ball handling skills is not quick twitch in the pocket at all. Does not have the accuracy or the anticipation that Tua does. So it's like, okay, like you're running a totally different offense. And then there's times in which where Mike McDaniel tried to run the same kind of offense. And it, it creates this conflict where things just aren't as efficient. So um, there were a couple of moves uh, that I do want to continue to talk about, including the Bradley Chubb deal. Uh, but, but largely from a free agency perspective, I put Teron Armstead, Connor Williams – Alec Ingold, Melvin Ingram, who I did not mention, uh, Raheem Mostert, Thomas Morstead, Trent Sherfield, down as definitive wins for the Dolphins. Those are definitive win maneuvers in free agency. The Tyree kill is a definitive win for the Dolphins from a team-building perspective. And all these complaints uh, of the Dolphins and the directions that, I, that they took, I, I hear you and I understand you, but – it has to be about more than just, well, the Dolphins didn't do what we wanted them to do this year. Right. Like, if you feel that way, I would have, I would love to hear from anybody who has those criticisms to bring examples of what they would have done differently. Cause you have to have a solution. Right. Because at some point, like, and if you, if it just ends up going back to, well, the 2020 class stinks, then like, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you. Like, the 2020 class, you look at the players who are available, you look at the fact that they dr- definitively draft for need. And I would say this year they kind of drafted for me with Channing Tindall. Maybe it was a case of those guys were going to get a year out in front of some needs and let those guys be developmental players. Maybe that was a school of thought. But if they were looking to get players to complement what they had and be year one contributors, this class did not accomplish that. And I think that's that's food for thought. And and I feel like this class, this draft class that is is awaiting – it's largely going to be the same story after a certain stage as far as the talent that's available. Not that the dolphins will have the same mentality, but the talent pool this year, it's it's another weird draft class. Uh, I'm not beating myself up over not having a a first round pick because I get through the top five picks in the mock drafts. And then I don't really like the value of any of the players that I'm picking until I get into like the early thirties. It's it's this weird like power or, or talent vacuum that exists that, you know, and uh, it's a tough, it's a tough case. Um, we're going to talk more about the Bradley Chubb deal, but before we talk more about the Bradley Chubb deal, I do you need to tell everybody about our friends over at Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy done right. You pick two to five players and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you win up to 10 extra money. There's no competing against other people. It is you versus the projections available in-house. PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, men's and women's college basketball, college football, soccer, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, golf, you name it. They got it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and with safe and fast withdrawals, it is currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to PrizePicks.com. Sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code locked on. You deposit $100, prize picks will give you another $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you another $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100.
0: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: So let's talk the Bradley Chubb deal. Because obviously the the ramifications of the Bradley Chubb deal are twofold. There was a contract that was given out. And there's a first round pick that was traded. I will say this with some level of confidence. Uh, Bradley Chubb is a vastly better player, NFL player, in the here and now than whatever talent you were going to land at pick 19 or at pick 29. So from a value perspective, hey, you got plus value in the same way that Tyreek Hill was plus value. He's 26 years old. Now you have locked him into a long-term deal, but at the same time, you get through 2023 and 2024. And if you need to transition away from Bradley Chubb, you can do so after the 2024 season, aka two seasons from now. And it's less than five and a half million dollars in debt cap. So there's there's effectively two legitimate years left on this deal. Flexibility. It's the name of the game, right? Bradley Chubb is a better player than whoever you were going to get with that first round pick. Unless you were going to go out and get B. John Robinson, but I really don't feel like this system is going to covet running backs like that, no matter how much I would like them to. Because B. John Robinson is an absolute alien. He's going to be a star. But case in point, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert being effective backs in stretches of time. Um, Bradley Chubb, so it's, it's plus value. Now, the contract thing is a different discussion, but as we just said, there's two effective two years left on this deal before if you need to transition away that you can. So we discussed opportunity costs. As far as the personnel move for 2022, what is a hard pill to swallow is when the team made the move, you thought you were going to see something with how the team played, and you didn't. They continue to be a very Man dependent, zero pressure, extra pass rusher type approach. And I know we talked about this earlier in the week. I look at what the Dolphins have with Bradley Chubb and Christian Wilkins and Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland and an aging corner and Xavier Howard and whatever's going to have him. Byron Jones and like if those if those pieces are all in place, the formula is here to play zone defense and rush with your front four organically and be much more dependent upon that. And like that's a that that will be a winning formula in my mind. I thought we were going to see more of that when the team made the trade. We did not. So now you have like the it's the rare occasion where we talk about Isaiah Simmons with Arizona and the team not having a plan. Well, what what was the the blockade that prevented that from happening? And I think when, when the Dolphins assessed this offseason, whatever was done, I think the process to acquire Bradley Chubb was good. I don't know that the execution after he got here was good. And I don't know why that is. But just me looking at it from a 30,000-foot view from afar, something didn't click into place the way that it was supposed to. Do I regret the move? No, I'm glad that Bradley Chubb is here for the next two, three years. Potentially longer. He's under contract through 2027. And from a cash perspective, he's getting about $20 million a year every single year. You just you, Your guarantees are whittled down. His 2024 salary fully guarantees in March of this year. It's injury guaranteed right now. Uh, $10 million of his 2025 salary is guaranteed for injury only. He has a roster bonus. In 2027 of $4 million, if he's still on the roster at that stage in time, very, very limited amounts of of guaranteed money on the table after 2024. So I think the process and the contract, like it came out really good. But what you did when you got him, and I don't know if that's Chris Greer's fault or not. Be honest. Uh, We'll also talk about the offensive line. Um. Of course, the Lee Meikenberg, uh, there's a lot of critiques with Lee Meikenberg, and it goes back to just him being drafted in general. So was supposed to be a high-floor player. He got yanked around, changed positions a whole bunch. I don't think the team did him any service as a, as a rookie player. He's a run-heavy offense in college. He's played in 2 past pass-happy offenses. I get why the struggles exist. But the critiques being, well, they should have drafted somebody else instead of Lee Meikenberg. Go back to the 2021 draft. You want not Sewell? you got to give up Jalen Waddle. You want to give up Jalen Phillips for another offensive lineman late in the first round? Christian Derusol? You give up Jalen Phillips for Christian Derusol? Javon Holland? You want to give up Javon Holland to have uh, Tevin Jenkins? Like, you, you can't just flip Liam out. You got to give somebody else up that was used in one of those picks. And then they traded up because the run on offensive linemen started, and they got the last player, I, w- I would assume the last player, that they had, like, a, a starting grade on. Now, that that was a misevaluation, But I'm not giving any of those other three players up to get a different offensive lineman, especially when that player is going to be playing left guard for you. You can find left guards on day three of the draft. Robert Jones has been sufficient. And then right tackle, you said. Well, they they leaned into, they depended too much on Austin Jackson. Well, sure, but they also signed Brandon Shell to the practice squad, and he was an adequate level starter for the entire season. So, did they put too much too many eggs in that basket? Probably, but that's what I am encouraged by the feedback that we got from Greer in the postseason. Uh, debrief press conference to say they will have a chance to be here and compete to, to get better and compete. They're a part of the plan. Okay. A part of the plan and compete are not, they're going to be definitive starters for us. And I don't think either one of those have, have earned that trust this season. So in the same way that, you know, you had Andrew Van Ginkle, but you still went out and you got Melvin Ingram. Um, you can have those guys as guys on rookie contracts, know that they have value for the roster, but ideally they're they're in a more reduced role. Although I do think Andrew Van Ginkel has proven that he's earned a little bit more of an expanded role beyond uh, what he was early in his career as an undersized, speedy pass rush specialist with special team skills. That'll be one that I'm hoping we we don't have to talk about transitioning away from. But we'll go down that path in the days to come. I thought this was a good opportunity to kind of review uh, the personnel decisions of the Dolphins. I would put some of the, the big missed opportunities for the Dolphins, uh, the direction that they went at backup a quarterback, uh, the execution of the Bradley Chubb acquisition, uh, the Cedric Wilson, Chase Edmonds acquisitions, the Mike Gusecki franchise tag, and a little bit too much trust in your young offensive lineman. Now, I think they, they got bailed out with both of those guys with the play of Robert Jones, who was sufficient. Uh, he's an adequate depth piece. And then uh, the acquisition of Brandon Shell is an adequate level starter. You got bailed out. Uh, but the home run hits, I, I do think there's more hits than misses with how this team stacked this offseason. And that's what this process is all about. And that's why you know I anticipate we're going to continue to see the direction that the team is going continue to get momentum. Because it's about stacking wins, off season after offseason after off season, knowing that progression might not be linear in the same way that player regression or development, player development might not be linear, player and team development. There's a lot of outstanding variables. Dolphins were horrible in turnovers this year. They get ten more turnovers this season. I bet they win three more games. There, they seem to be banking on injuries at a rate that was an outlier. If that's the case, great. And if it's not, then ne- this time next season, we're probably going to be talking about all these regime changes that everybody was, not everybody, but but some people wanted the Dolphins to consider. But I thought the process was good. The team is better than it was 12 months ago, and it's definitively not close. And they did a lot of really nice things along the way. The challenge is to do that again with different dynamics of what you have at your disposal. And I trust the team to do it. I do trust Chris Greer to do it. The challenge is don't be too stubborn with paths that you chose for players and continue to embrace competition for some of these young guys. I think that's the big hurdle that has to be cleared. That's going to do it for us today on the show, Kyle Krabs. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will talk with you all again tomorrow. Fins up.